Welcome to Pop Culture Confessions, a podcast where we fix our greatest movie mistakes. I'm Amanda, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hello. And Missy. Hey. So what we do here, in case you're new, welcome if you're new. Each week, one of us confesses to some piece of culture. So far, it's been movies that we definitely should have seen already, but we, for whatever reason, haven't, whether that's because we were uh, pre-born or uh, <laughs> we just didn't think it was... <laughs> For us, just for whatever reason, we didn't see that big, huge cultural tentpole movie. Right. So we all come together. Uh, the person who hasn't seen it sort of tells us what they think they know about it, because you've always inevitably absorbed some stuff about this, if it's like out there in the culture. And some of it's wrong, sure. which is always my favorite. I mean, you got to remember, these movies spend millions and millions of dollars trying to get you to know about their movie. And then people are always talking about these movies if they were successful or impactful right. movies. So you pick up things in those awkward conversations where you don't have anything to contribute, but you just listen to people talk about who shot first in certain yeah. movies you just you pick things up and you kind of nod along and you sometimes sort of maybe a little bit pretend that you've seen it when you haven't because there's social pressure involved so there are dire consequences if you admit that you haven't <laughs> seen someone's favorite movie. nerd rage is the consequence <laughs> in many cases anyway so um last week we talked about missy's pop culture confession which was rocky and i made a confession of my own so this is a rare, I would say, girl-focused, girl-targeted movie that I have not seen. I feel oh. like most things in this genre I'm pretty well-versed in, and this one I just, um, I missed somehow. Not sure why. Hmm. Uh, it's a little bit before my time in terms of, you know, just age appropriateness for how old <laughs> I was when it came out, but I have to confess that I have not seen Heathers. <sighs> okay. I yeah. have actually seen that movie. <laughs> All right. This movie. It's been a while. Part of that like dark comedy. Like uh -huh. it's oh really God. dark and it touches it's on some subjects. It's so that's dark. Relevant to this day. So. Yeah. Cool. Oof. You said you missed it because it was, I could see it's definitely aimed at like a late high school, early college yeah. like demographic. Right. And I was four. <laughs> so. So. A little, little young. Just um, missed it by a scotch. Having existed in, like, culture, you probably absorbed some stuff about Heathers. Uh-huh. I mean, they turned it into a musical. It's become pretty, um... Wait, you know, what? ...ubiquitous. Yeah, there's Heathers the musical now. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's like Sweeney Todd with teenagers. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty much the only thing I know about it is, um, it's teen girls and murder. And it's, I guess, kind of funny. I don't know how much is funny and how much is drama, but I feel like it might be... It, it's got to be at least a little tongue-in-cheek, right? Because it's teen it's girls funny murder if people. It's funny Funny Dark. until it's not. I don't know how to explain <laughs> okay. it. Like, because yeah. I don't want to ruin the movie for you, but okay. it's definitely yeah. a comedy in parts. I'm looking forward to rewatching it. It's been a long time and like, this is not ruining it, but I went into it thinking Mean Girls and it is not. Right. Yeah. I associate it with that kind of movie. No. I was like, this was the, what Mean Girls was totally based off of. And then I watched it and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, it is not. No. So I'm looking forward to rewatching it because it, it has been a while. I was not, I was thrown for a loop when I watched it the first time. So I really want right, to see right. Christian Slater do his best Jack Nicholson impression. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm glad for once my confession movie is not like a three hour war slog or prison <laughs> slog or sure. gangster slog. It's a fun watch. Yeah. It's, mm, it's mm, I hope. I'm looking forward to watching it again. There's a lot of <laughs> topics that this movie, I think, ahead of its time brought up. So I really am looking forward to going back and seeing how this movie addresses them. Because I remember yeah. the topics it talks about, but I don't really remember its particular take on them. So I'm kind okay. of, I'm looking at the poster. Yeah, I, I'm looking at it too. Well, I can't figure out which is the original one because there's one that, the first one that comes up is, it has way too much text on it to be a regular movie poster. There's, it's standing in front of a chalkboard and it's got like a ton of yes. tiny scribbles that I can't read. Yep, that's the original poster. Really? Yep. All right. Yeah, I mean, Winona Ryder's got like a fly crop top on. Okay, Christian Slater, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this poster doesn't give away really anything. I think because if they gave away anything, I think it would hurt the movie because it would be so hard to market such a dark movie. So is it not commonly known when like the trailer at the time didn't give away the fact that this is murder? This is. I think they very much build it as like as more like of a knows. comedy than a black comedy. Yeah. Huh, you know? All right, all right. Like life in the day of a high school student, yes, <laughs> who's popular and socially elite and hates everybody. You know, like that kind of thing. Almost like, like a Ferris right. Bueller kind of like these yeah. zany rebels. You know, yeah. all right, those all crazy right. kids. <laughs> kids say the darndest things. <laughs> Those kids. So, and if we're going to watch this, I happen to have a couple time machines out back. You can choose whichever one you want. Are we exchanging the time machine? Well, so here's the very interesting thing. Even though if you look outside, you're going to see different things. They're all the same thing, just from different times. Weird. That DeLorean out there, that TARDIS. <laughs> I want the one that looks like a croquet ball. <laughs> okay, that's a Heather's reference. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> We could do the Wayne's World uh, flashback time travel. We can't go in an air guitar. Air guitar is (laughs) invisible. We've had this problem before, I think. Oh, that's why it didn't work. Everybody to Wonder Woman's ship. If we could find it. (laughs) You've got the little uh, keyless, like, remote. (laughs) Beep, beep. Yeah. Where is it? (laughs) Look for the lights, guys. Look for the lights. Follow the sound. Look for all the dead birds on the ground. (laughs) All right. How are we going to do this? Which one do you want to travel through time to get to? I mean, the DeLorean is the most time period appropriate, right? Same decade. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 88 miles an hour to get to 1988. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) All right. And I'm thinking it has to be kind of a flashy car, you know? Oh, okay. To, like, impress the teens. Absolutely. Hey, teens, these doors go up. They go up. That was, oh, my God, that was so cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody in the DeLorean. All right. All right, everybody in. Seatbelts. Ah, nice fully work. So, a summary from IMDb. In order to get out of the snobby clique that is destroying her good girl reputation, an intelligent teen teams up with a dark sociopath in a plot to kill the cool kids. That is probably the worst description I've ever seen of a movie. Yeah, that's really bad. I was really just going to say, that no, is the shit. There's like summary. three words in there that are accurate. Yeah. Uh, dark, sociopath, and kill. That's a... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> She's not doing it for her reputation. Or to get out of the clique. And intelligent. I mean, we, she says she's intelligent. I don't know that the evidence is bearing that out, but... Uh, Cunning? I wouldn't say intelligent, but... I mean, gullible AF. Yeah, and it's not really a plot to kill the other students. Like, right. she gets tricked, essentially. Tricked right. into believing what she wants to believe, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can talk about how much she actually thought that those bullets were like magical non-fatal bullets. (laughs) (laughs) The unlying German bullets? Yes. (laughs) So you'd never seen Heathers before. Both Missy and I had seen it. What was your overall impression of this dark, late 80s uh, Winona Ryder comedy? drama uh it was about as dark as i expected like i knew that it was gonna be murdery it was a little sharper i guess than i thought like with the yeah. dialogue and with the like the line about fuck me fuck gently, me with, gently a with a chainsaw, chainsaw. Oh yes there's a lot of things they say in here that uh from my age period you hear people say all the time really like i forgot that that line is from this movie but i've heard people yeah. say that so often i have a friend who's like three or four years younger than me who used to say that in high school. And I'm like, where the fuck did you even get that line from? Like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard, but she's weird. So then I saw the movie and I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> the dialogue I feel like was, and some of the like slang they were using, I wasn't sure how much of it was invented for this movie and how much of it is authentic 80s slang that I just don't understand. It was a lot invented. Did people say very as like a, that's so very like. You had mentioned uh, mean Girls before, I really felt like they were trying to make things happen in this movie. They can't make Fetch happen. Yes, they were making very happen, or trying to. They were trying. Now, that's wasn't. not to say that after this movie, like I said, there are things in here that people did say after this. But I think any teen comedy is or movie, really, is going to have its own language that they speak, then gets spread out to popular culture, if it's popular. Yeah, it's like Clueless. A lot of the phrases in Clueless really caught oh, on. Oh, absolutely. Like, I think that was the most successful like teen language movie because i mean i remember after that movie came out like everybody in my school was wearing knee-high socks and plaid skirts <laughs> <laughs> and like as if was the oh, thing it was a magical time <laughs> listeners if you haven't go back and listen to our clueless episode or discuss these very things uh, i feel like buffy also had i mean this was like a late 80s movie and i don't remember even in like the early 90s that slang sticking around yeah yeah i remember some of this sticking around but you were saying buffy as a good example of shows that change buffy also oh, had a yeah. similar slightly later than clueless but had yeah. a similar effect on the culture where the like buffy speak became a thing amongst a certain subset the west wing did that too i think, mm-hmm. I think it really depends on the writer's too. When you have more authentic sounding dialogue that includes things like Buffy speak and slang, then you have a verbal pattern that you can mimic more in real life. Whereas Heather's is very, um, she's just very, it's very stick a mythic. <laughs> It's very play-like. It's very, like, verbal duel. Like, line one, line two, line one, line two. I bite my thumb at you. But they're very creative with their insults and with their analogies. And, like, just the writing is interesting. It held up enough for me that it was fun that I feel like it would have been, at the time, pretty mind-blowing. I think so. I feel like a lot of it's very forced. Oh, absolutely. It is also that, for sure. (laughs) Other teen movies and shows seem a lot more organic. And so I think those are the ones that like hang around as slang as opposed to like that's so very it's like (laughs) that's not a thing there's certain things that I feel like almost have circled back around to being something that I conceivably I could imagine being said slash worn slash thought of as cool in 2019 like yeah (laughs) 
the <laughs> I love my dead gay son line. <laughs> I've heard people say that so often. <laughs> that seems like a meme. Yeah, it is a meme. Pre-formatted, ready to go. Yeah. The radio show where the people call in is called Hot Probs, which totally yeah. sounds like a podcast title. Well, it, it's actually mimicked off Love Line. Right, yeah. but the title of the way that they, it's yeah. Hot Probs, which Hot is like probs. a convincing <laughs> modern podcast, I think. And then the I actually kind of want the shirt that says Big Fun. Yeah. <laughs> I could totally see people wearing that. Now, was that like Teen Suicide Don't Do It? Was that a real... No. Sur- surely not. No. I didn't not. think so. So what did you think was actually good about this movie? What were the best parts of this? You said it held up. It seemed relevant to you still. The tone was really interesting. It was weirder than I expected, which I kind of liked. Also kind of silly at times. It really seemed like this should be a Tim Burton movie. Yes, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, it, it feels, bur- especially during the like funeral fantasy Flashbacks, scene. yeah. It feels Burton-esque, yeah, yeah. which I mean, obviously it's Winona Ryder, so it already has that vibe. Yeah, it's just the whimsy of of it sometimes. It was like dark but whimsical at the same time, which I kind of enjoyed. Um, sometimes. Sometimes it got to be like cloying and too much. I, uh, in general, enjoyed that part of it. The acting, well, okay, so I go back and forth about whether Winona Ryder is a good actress. <laughs> <laughs> I like her much better now than when she was younger. Yes, she's good in Stranger Things for sure, but oh like Oh my back god, then... she's very good in that. And Girl Interrupted too? Oh, I haven't seen it. I think oh. if you look at Beetlejuice, basically the same time period with her in an the hands of, I think, a much better director. Mm -hmm. She's much better in that movie. And in this movie, she's not, I think, as good. Yeah, she's way campier in this movie than she was in Beetlejuice. They all are. I think the movie itself is pretty damn campy, too. Yes, it felt like a Tim Burton and, like, John Waters, like, movie, like, crammed together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it does have a Waters vibe. Yeah, I can can see that. Yeah, there's some some absurdity. I don't know who that is, but it really kind of felt almost like, what's the third one? I'm gonna say this one wrong. (laughs) Army of Darkness? Uh, the third in the Evil Dead series? Evil Dead. Thank you. It kind of has that like Evil Dead meets high school. You know? Okay, like, yeah. Super campy. Yeah. I mean, Sam Raimi is campy. So yeah. Yeah. It's like a yeah. quasi comedy. Yeah. What did you think about Christian Slater in this movie? The young Christian Slater? I mean, he just seemed like Christian Slater, but younger. <laughs> like, I always get that vibe from him where he's a little unhinged and a little bit untrustworthy. He always seems like a clone of Jack Nicholson. Yeah. But in here, I think he's I mentioned way that. pushing it like to the most... I think Nicholson-esque performance. He's like Nicholson Joker or like Nicholson Shining yep. in this movie. Like uh-huh. he's really, really going. Got, for got it. some brow work yeah. in there. Yeah, some just putting yeah. in putting in brow time. <laughs> so yeah, I guess he was good, but it was like I sort of expected that from him because it just it seems like it's a fundamental part of who he is as an actor. Almost, it really feels like they took like teen angsty rebel archetype and just made him everything you could be about. Yeah, kind of artsy dark leather jacket, rides a motorcycle, doesn't fit in, (laughs) you know, doesn't want to play your reindeer games, like... He is an archetype in this movie, absolutely. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I kind of hated him for it, even from the beginning before it's revealed the depth of his psychopath, psychopathy, whatever, that he's just like, oh, yeah, yes, you're so edgy, you're so better than the rest of these teens, like, whatever. But, like, he shoots two of them in the cafeteria. I was shocked that that scene exists and, like, people don't talk about it more, I guess. I haven't really heard, I didn't know that that was coming. This movie has had a double set of problematic reaction. People thinking that it's very, very problematic. Yeah. Like you had in the 80s, you had people thinking that this trivialized and romanticized suicide. suicide. And then when school shootings became a thing, people looked back at this movie and also thought that it glorified those same ideas. Yeah, because school shootings weren't really a a thing. Right? This is a pre- 
pre-Columbine world. I hate that there was a thing anyway. That was really weird, you know. The fact that he was able to just walk away from that, even though he was shooting blanks, even though whatever, the fact that he just went about his life with maybe some, like, a slap on the wrist, right. Did he even get suspended? I mean, you know. That dates the movie more than the fashion and the hairstyles and the, like, that firmly places this. Those shoulder pads are pretty good. <laughs> no, oh my god, can we talk about the shoulder pads? <laughs> the fact that the whole school wasn't on lockdown after that incident and he wasn't, yes. like, in a holding cell, that makes, yeah. that clearly places it in a pre-Columbine world. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but yes, the fashion yeah. was also hilarious. <laughs> and the hair, oh my god. The scrunchie, actually, that red scrunchie that kind of, like, wraps around your hair. Like, I want that, actually. It looks really <laughs> good and comfortable. Scrunchies were making a comeback, like, a couple years ago, and I don't think it worked. <laughs> well, this one is, like, an oversized wraparound scrunchie that I don't think I ever had it's one like, like a that. power scrunchie. Yeah, right? <laughs> Literally, it was a power yes. scrunchie. I only ever had the, like, like, little smaller elastic ones that were, like, fabric. Yeah. That scrunchie is, like, a like a badge of honor it's almost like the conch shell right. from like, yes. uh, Lord of the Flies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. My scrunchies were satin with flowers. I was super fashionable. <laughs> I actually kind of did like, so Winona Ryder for a lot of the movie was wearing a gray jacket that had sort of a peplum waist, which I thought was really cute, but not the way that she was wearing it. <laughs> like with a yeah. ruffled skirt. Like that with some like jeans and like a cute top would be, I think you could get away with it now. It was almost like, yeah, like a military jacket. A little bit, but the little feminine peplum thing at the bottom was, was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would not combine that with the stuff that she was combining it with without looking like 80s cosplay. They were pretty spot on with their, I want to say costuming, but it's not costume, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like they were doing a period film. This was yeah. the current fashion. It's like the blend of the masculine and the feminine in her, her look. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That she's rejecting the cookie cutter, Heather, perfect look. Well, they all sort of wore power blazers a little bit. Oh, that yeah. was a sort of semi-masculine but feminine trend. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with these older movies, it's hard for me to I feel like costumes and fashion and that kind of stuff you're supposed to be able to interpret things based on it like that person is dressed that way therefore they are like this yeah which the older the movie gets the harder it becomes to catch those subtexts it all just becomes 80s clothes right it's like oh I can't tell if if she looks cool and she looks dumb because they're wearing different things when someone at the time would have known Uh, what else did I like mostly the dialogue yeah I mean it got over the top at times but that's probably the standout thing for me is that it, it had its own voice that was immediately apparent and it'll stick with me. Yeah. I also like the interaction between Christian Slater and his dad, the kind of like role reversal dialogue. That was thing. weird. What, what what was the deal there? It was weird, but it was unique. Like it's one of those things where you're like, well, I haven't seen that before. I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be getting from that. Just that they have a fucked up relationship. They both take care of each other maybe is like because like his mom died under tragic circumstances. She went into the building. Yes. In a movie filled with silly deaths is the silliest death. To commit suicide by your husband's demolition of a building like yeah well i mean this movie i think is all about making statements with death yeah and that's a statement you know yeah but it's i mean has anyone in the history of the world ever done that i'm sure people have no but i think to me it's like the more realistic like it's an actual suicide you know what i mean as opposed to like these fake dramatic over the top quote-unquote suicides well it's the only successful suicide in the whole movie i think that affected him and spurned him to like go kill people i'm not sure where his psychosis comes from uh when you hand up i don't this. know i'm not really feeling <laughs> the movie but like it's really weird where he's like very emotional and vulnerable about his mom's suicide but then he just goes and kills people like i don't get it i think it's a rejection of his dad's kind of like duality that he has this kind of like public face of 
being the upstanding like business person for the community, but behind the scenes, he's ruining people's lives and extremely cutthroat. And that that duality is what bothers him about the Heathers as well. Mm. You know, it's that same two-faced false. I think we might be reading a, a little bit, like thinking too much about it. Maybe. Like, <laughs> well, I don't know, because if you look at it, like, I mean, one of the messages that I picked up from it was that, like, everybody's playing a part, right? And they have it set in this kind of, like, play style dialogue where it's a little stiff and like you're watching, you know, like a stage play instead of a movie. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it plays into the everybody has their own part to play kind of like theme, you know, like he's the bad guy. She's the good girl trying to be or the bad girl trying to be good. I don't quite know what her part <laughs> is. But then you have like the jocks and the, it's high school. They do that on purpose, you know? Yeah. Well, and it also the way that they do sort of over the top acting, I guess, the non-naturalistic kind of big acting that they're doing Mm -hmm. it it lends to the fantasiness of it absolutely it's supposed to be not quite the real world because i might think this is a morality play that lacks morality I mean, it does have its own certain internal morality, kind of. I mean, you're supposed to be like making the world a better place and not being a mean bitch all the time. (laughs) Or you'll get shot. Yeah. You know. See, that I think is the biggest flaw to the movie for me is that it has no consistent message or character growth at all. This is a movie lacking a point, in my opinion. I think that is kind of the point. Like, I feel like this movie is a response to, like, the TV shows of the 80s and 90s that always had that, like, that special episode <laughs> where you had somebody who had a problem, an addiction, or, like, taking too many caffeine pills, for example, you know. And <laughs> at the end of the show, it's like, we all know that this is a wrong thing and we're going to help our friends and blah, blah. This is like, no, people have these shitty problems. Like, you know, oh, get over bulimia. That's so 87 or whatever it was. Like, people have these problems and there is no moral of the story. It's a little nihilistic. You know, like there's no happy ending. There's no, nothing to learn from it other than that's life. I mean, but there kind of is. I mean, the main character does have a, like a conscience and wants to make the world better, but whether or not she's really doing that is kind of Does she, though? Because the murders don't bother her in the slightest bit. They do bother her, though. That's the reason that she eventually breaks up with... What's his face? I think she breaks up with him because he's a controlling dick to her, not... Why not both? Because of the murders, but... Yeah. (laughs) That's true, that's true. It sort of weighs on her, I think, that she kind of, like, is uncomfortable with it at the beginning because it seemed like an accident, but then the next one definitely wasn't because he just straight up lied to her, and she gets more and more... You could tell she's getting more and more uncomfortable with it as time goes on, more and more uncomfortable with him, and his behavior and then she finally snaps what is it she says i just want cool guys yeah. like you out of my life <laughs> yeah <laughs> i feel like psychologically though that she doesn't react to these incidences like a normal person would like i don't feel if i shot somebody <laughs> like point blank i would be way more traumatized oh, totally. and she's just like oh well i guess i'm gonna have to go break up with jd you know like <laughs> it's just like she shrugs it off like so unnaturally would stop up the flow of the movie if she got affected right it, it would kind of spoil the tone a little bit the fantasy thing it would mess up the over the topness of everything she yeah. does at the beginning already in sort of a, a murdery mindset like they jump to murder really fast they go yeah. from man I, I don't like her very much to writing in your diary about how you're gonna kill her or about how you want her dead yeah. to like contemplating actually killing her the first Heather she right. doesn't ultimately decide to do that JD makes that choice for her but it's like within the realm of possibility it seems like yeah well I think there's always this kind of like 
dark teenager diary of like murder and revenge. <laughs> I was gonna say I think that's not <laughs> abnormal, right? To have those kind of thoughts. <laughs> How many times as a teenager did I think like, God, I wish she was dead? You know, like mm, quite a few. I think JD is the person who pushes yeah. her to actually Oh absolutely to do yeah. those things. I don't think I'd ever actually hurt somebody, but oh I, those thoughts have been there, you know, like she seemed like she was already kind of not prepared, yeah, not prepared to being for it, pushed. but yeah, she's kind of moving a little bit in that direction mentally anyway. Yeah. But yeah, she absolutely did not consent to any of those murders, at least not technically. The yeah. second one, you could argue that she probably knew that mm, there's no such thing as magic skin deep bullets. <laughs> That's not a thing. Is it, right? I'm pretty sure it's not. I know. I mean, the word he uses in German means I'm lying. Oh, it is? Because <laughs> he asked her, do you speak French or do you speak German, German, right? He says yeah. French. That's funny. I didn't realize that that was the translation. Well, Easter egg. So we're talking about problematic. I kind of mentioned that this movie had kind of a double reaction of people thinking that it's an extremely problematic movie. What did you find in the movie to be problematic? I mean, so homophobic. So, 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 so homophobic. But but that's... Yes. I don't think we've watched a movie from this time period that didn't have some reference to, hey, gay people are gross or, hey, gay people are funny. And even our protagonists do it. Like, they make jokes about limp wrists and, you know. They definitely have a strong homophobia theme in this. I mean, they kind of react to the jocks and the dad. Like, they have that line, like, what do you think his reaction would be if he had an alive gay son? Yeah. So, I mean, they're commenting on it, but they're guilty of the same... Ideas. Right. They're making fun of him, too. I mean, part of it, I guess, is that they're pointing out the hypocrisy of the jocks who are so hyper homophobic and like toxic masculinity guys, the making them look hypocritical in that they are secretly closeted, I guess, was their idea. But really, it, it's all just homophobia. And the fun fat phobia. Yeah. Don't forget uh, that, that one was good, too. Obviously, even the protagonist. Well, the protagonist oh so charitably at the end deigns to spend time in presence of a fat person. Yeah. There's an alternate ending that I think would have made the movie many many times better, which is after the end of the whole thing that uh, the girl stabs Veronica in the stomach and says, fuck you, Heather, to her. (laughs) And she's like, I'm not a Heather, I'm a Veronica, like as she's dying on the floor. But they changed that. But I think that would have actually been a nice little tie back that it's the same thing over and over again. (laughs) But she hadn't done anything to, well, I guess she did write that note at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, she was the, I've been watching a lot of Game of Thrones, so she swung the sword, but she didn't pass the sentence. Right. So yeah. it wasn't like her idea. But yeah, I can see how she would be mad. But are you the company that you keep, though? If you don't call out your problematic right. friends, yes. doesn't that kind of make you problematic as well? Yes, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Even if you don't harass the fat person, you're still with people who are, so. I mean, she's taking active steps to, it's. I guess it's a sort of passive activity where she's just relenting to the will of others, but she's she's taking actions yeah. to hurt her. Willing to, to hurt those people to get access into the Heather's group. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know why she was so desperate to be friends with them in the first place. She doesn't seem to be the type of person who cares that much about popularity either. Because she doesn't seem to like them and she's certainly wealthy enough that they have very little to offer her. It seems like there was a whole nother movie that should have come before this. On like how she got into the Heather. Because she was like, you wanted to be part of our group. Right. Like, wait, we need a flashback. We need something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the first 30 minutes of Mean Girls, they just cut it out. (laughs) Yeah. And in the musical version, they've made Heather's the musical now. In the musical version, they do add that in. Mm, Okay. I went and looked at, I was like trying to figure out how it was different from the movie. They put in a scene where she forges a note for them and then gets a makeover and becomes part of their group. Like in thanks. 
But it still doesn't explain why someone like her would want to be friends yeah, with them. Yeah, like, she's got money. They should want to be friends with her, you know? Like, yeah. They go play at her cool croquet backyard. <laughs> what is that? Was croquet, like, huh. a thing in the late 80s? It's I don't a symbol remember. of wealth, I think. Like, you have to have <laughs> land to play croquet. I guess. It's like the weird right, thing yeah. that rich people yeah. <laughs> do that sucks like them apart. golf? Golf is expensive to play. Yeah, it is. And it's expensive to just have a, a golf course and upkeep it because it's so much yeah. irrigated land. I mean, this movie got a lot of uh, criticism for being, I don't want to say pro-suicide, but, like, glamorizing it. But I think the movie very clearly is doing the opposite. Like, I don't think that that criticism is very correct in this movie. It's not glamorizing it, I don't think, but it is making light of it. It is making it a little bit of a joke in some circumstances. I don't necessarily think yeah. that that's problematic. Pretty much anything can be made a joke. Not anything, but most things can be made into a joke as long as you're not punching down. I think a lot of the joke about the suicide comes from after they were murdered or, well, after they committed suicide, is that they were like immortalized. Right, after death. Everybody wanted to talk well about yeah. them and they were like that's not how they were the idolization of the dead yes. like when senators die and people will say like you can't bring up the bad things they've done you can't right. talk bad about the dead and I'm like well I don't know what if they were shitty people and like feeling bad for people who commit suicide which I understand you feel like oh my gosh if I had just been there or if they had just reached out to me but I think that this movie takes it to like even if they were shitty people we're just going to put them up on a pedestal and say nothing bad about them. I don't agree with how they handled the suicide in that way. It was like, that was the joke. I think all of the reactions to the suicide are extremely self-centered. Right, absolutely. They're all about the person who's still there and their relationship to this now saint. Yes, deified. Yes. Made into saints. It becomes sort of a competition to see- Who can out-grieve. Right, who can be the most perfect griever. Yeah. But I think that the later criticism of this movie about it idolizing like school shooters, essentially, yes. I think that criticism has a lot more validity to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, just down to the trench coat, I was like, wow, this is very reminiscent of real life. Which is weird because I don't think this movie was an inspiration. Not that I know of. I don't think any MRA shooter dudes would be like, oh yeah, Heather's made me do it. Yeah. But watching it, I'm like, yeah, I could see this being somebody's inspiration. Yeah, I think a lot of the same ideas are there, that these people are bullies, they have nothing to contribute to society, somebody has to stop them. They deserve to die. Right. I think all those ideas are in this movie. Yeah. Well, and I can see someone taking the JD character the wrong way because they make him look cool, kind of. Yeah. But then I could see you using him as a role model. Like, oh, yeah, that guy's got it figured out. Right. Yeah. He's got money. He's got weapons. He's got the girl. He's got like a life philosophy. They always have these stupid like manifest mantras. Yeah. Like, this is my take and you all will hear it. You must hear my take. Yeah. <laughs> Hot take coming in. <laughs> Hot probs. Pay attention to my... <laughs> mottos. <laughs> Hear my male opinions, please. <laughs> I'm a white teenage male. Nobody <laughs> listens to me. But you're right that it's very different in retrospect than it was at the time. I was like, man, they would not be able to make this at all in modern times. But they did remake it. It was like a short limited series last year. I didn't actually watch it. It got originally pushed back by a year or two because of Marjorie Stoneman. And it got dropped by the network it was originally going to be on. And then they had to edit it for content. And like, so there was a bunch of controversy around remaking hmm. Heathers. But I'm surprised they did it at all. Yeah, because a lot of the stuff they do is a thing now. Right. I'm surprised anybody even touched it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in some ways, it's kind of 
strange to criticize a movie for something that hadn't happened yet. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But that also prevents you from, like, remaking the movie. You wouldn't remake a lot of the racist movies from, like, the 50s and 60s either. We're not in that kind of society anymore. Oh, didn't you hear about the Birth of a Nation reboot that's coming out in 2020? Are you shitting me? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But that's hilarious that you even thought that that would be... (laughs) I thought that was completely reasonable. Because there are plenty of people who would defend Birth of a Nation for its, like, cinematic achievement and creating the language of visual storytelling and like all that kind of bullshit, bullshit, shit. bullshit. Yeah, it's not bullshit, but it doesn't stack up to the pure yeah. Ku Klux Klan recruiting film that it literally is. That it actually, <laughs> actually is. Yeah. Yes, but what a fucked up world we live in that I believed you. You were like, wait a second, really? I have not <laughs> seen that movie. Why does it have ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, Birth of a Nation does what? Ninety eight percent. Gross. It's considered a masterpiece. It creates visuals storytelling transitions from a filmmaking perspective okay it's one of those movies like Susan Cain that you have to appreciate as a film person can we stop complimenting Birth of a Nation now please please stop (laughs) I've seen it I had to watch it in film class every film student does yeah I was not a film student long enough to have to watch it (laughs) I was an RTF major for like a year and a half I think and then I switched so talked about best worst problematic. I love my dead gay son. Is that problematic? I love my dead gay son. I feel like it would have been the way that they intended it back then. It was problematic. And now it comes off as instantly iconic and great, at least in my brain. (laughs) But back then it was supposed to be mocking or at least mocking him. Yeah. Well, I think that's part of the idea of this deification or turning people into saints, right? That now that his dead son, quote unquote, is dead, he can accept him and love him. But if he was alive, he could not. He's not living. So it's okay for him to be gay because there's no negative repercussions. Right, you don't actually have to deal with yeah. it. Right. Actually, from that scene, I loved, it was so stupid, I loved it. The two football players, they had a double funeral with them next to each other in their helmets. In their football helmets. <laughs> Holding footballs. <laughs> so cute. <It's> so silly. <laughs> like, would you really, if there was a, um in a homophobic culture, if there was a gay murder-suicide or double suicide or whatever, you would have a double funeral? We would definitely have a football funeral out here, though. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would 100% the happen. Cor- Like burying them in their helmet. That would 100% happen out here. Yeah, this is Ohio. Yeah. Well, I mean, guys, I'm in Texas. Like, oh, so yeah. You understand football and homophobia pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> and even I think that's a little over the top. So was fingerprint evidence not a thing? <laughs> when did that start happening? Absolutely was. Okay. I don't think they investigated any of it as murders. They just accepted it right. as suicide. If the cops had not been high slash incompetent. Keystone cops. Right. <laughs> well, because the handwriting matched. So, you know. Yeah, she's like an expert level forgery person. <laughs> <laughs> matched what? They were just like, oh, well, that looks like a girl's handwriting. Right? Let's go. Based on my intimate knowledge of the victim's handwriting, this is her. And there's gay magazines here, so it's got to be legit. <laughs> and, and mineral water. I did like that where JD was like, you're overthinking this. He just writes like, fuck you, cruel world or whatever. He right? <laughs> says, life sucks. There, that's good enough. They're not going to look any further. You're feeding them what they want, so they're going to accept it. Giving them more evidence than they need. Yeah, this is a little over the top. And I love how they brought a bunch of gay stuff to kill each other with. To the scene where they're going to kill each other. Why is that bag of stuff even there? I guess to make a point. Were they having a picnic? Like what? You would think that the <laughs> letter saying we are gay together would be enough to make that point. Yeah, no, you got to put magazines. We need supporting evidence. We need exhibit A, exhibit B, exhibit C, mineral water. Mineral water, <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. That was a pretty sharp observation for the 80s, though. <laughs> 
Which is funny because they were like, uh, this is Ohio. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. eh, it's pretty accurate. <laughs> the first time they said this, I super duper rolled my eyes and was like, wow, that is terrible writing. But then they brought it back a few times and it made me laugh when they said, oh, the humanity. <laughs> I was like, wow, that is so cheesy. That doesn't seem like it's right for this film. But they brought it back and I was like, oh, okay. So are you glad you watched Heathers or is this two hours you're never going to get back? I'm glad for sure. It wasn't perfect by any means. Obviously, a lot of problematic stuff because it's from the time period when everything was problematic, basically. And it's a little hit or miss sometimes with what they're trying to do. But I like what they're trying to do. I like what they attempted here. And it was absolutely foundational for so many other high school slash teen stuff that came later. So yeah, glad I watched it. So you guys have both seen it before. Had it been a long time since you watched it last or recent? It's long time. been a while. Yeah, it was just as bad as I remember remember it being. So you didn't like it at all. <laughs> it's not one of my favorite movies. Like, okay, maybe I was just in a weird space when I watched it the first time and I was expecting something different. Like I said last week, I was expecting a Mean Girls and that's not what I got. Right. But then I watched it again and I was just like, yeah, no, that's just as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see how it led to Mean Girls, right? It's an ancestor of Mean Girls. Absolutely. It has the same DNA. Yeah. I mean, for me, I actively dislike this movie. <laughs> I hate this movie. <laughs> so much. And I don't remember disliking it that much when I watched it the first time. Yeah, I remember just being like confused. I think the first time I watched it, it is confusing. (laughs) I think it lacks a point of view, really, in this movie. The characters have no growth and there's no point. I feel like nihilism sometimes can be a point of view. But she is supposed to be rejecting that at the end of the movie and she doesn't. I think it's sloppy storytelling and I just very much dislike the movie. I would say just go watch Beetlejuice and Mean Girls. Right. Yeah, you'll spend longer, but you'll get the gist. And they're both way better. I definitely endorse Mean Girls as better than this, but Beetlejuice, I just rewatched like six months ago and I did not like it (laughs) as much as I remembered. (laughs) Uh, I like this definitely better than than Beetlejuice. So mixed bag on Heathers, but are we three yes on Mean Girls? Uh, Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mean Girls (laughs) is just modern day classic. Absolutely. It has Amy Poehler and Tina Fey in it. It does. Oh, I love them. And even with Lindsay Lohan's issues, I loved her. I like Lindsay Lohan. I do too. I know she's got her own problems. Maybe but she'll come back to us someday. Maybe. Maybe. So that was Heather's. If you like what you heard, go give us a quick review on iTunes. You can find us online at popcultureconfessions.com. You can follow us on Twitter at, at @pcccast. We're also on Facebook. Just search Pop Culture Confessions. We'll be there. If you want to tweet something nice about us or maybe review us, or any of those things, we will shout you out on the cast. And if you have any confessions you want to make to us, send them to popcultureconfessions at gmail.com. Many thanks to Wax Logic for the use of their sweet group. So, guys, I have a confession to make. Oh, okay. do tell. Well, we've done a lot of movies that are parts of trilogies or series. Like, we did Mission Impossible. We just did Rocky, which really got me thinking about, like, franchises and how they build. And they tend to, I think, most franchises get worse as they go on. Absolutely. I think Mission <laughs> Impossible is probably the exception to that. But I've also heard that this franchise that I have not seen is also an exception to that. Hmm. Okay. I'm kind of curious to see it. It's one of those things that has had a gigantic cultural impact outside of my culture. Mm. Oh, huh. okay. So Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> that one actually does get better. Yes. It yeah, it does. <laughs> so I have never seen... Tune in next episode to hear Ryan's pop culture confession. Can we fix it? Yes, we can. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs>